Yes, I did drink the potion. It's done. It's completely empty. I finished it. You shouldn't have had it What do you mean you shouldn't have that much? You're going to see some changes. Do not get scared. Okay, I'm not gonna get scared. But what is going to happen to me? You're going to turn into Siren Head too. What do you mean I'm gonna turn into a siren? What are you... Just don't get scared when you see changes. Okay, no, I'm not gonna get... I'm not going to get scared. It's fine. Okay, I have to go now. Okay, Siren Head. But I don't think if anything is gonna happen to me, you're wrong. Goodbye. What is going on now? This is actually me. Oh my god, guys. I actually turned into a Siren Head. Monster Crazy. <laughs> <laughs>Yeah, we're here with with Trevor Henderson, uh, horror and and monster illustrator extraordinaire. Hey, thank, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for 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 coming on, man. We're very excited to chat yeah, with you. Of course, yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me, and uh, literally any excuse to talk about monsters, uh, I will jump at. <laughs> yeah, we were saying that Trevor's in the right place. Um, so for, for those of you who are foolish enough to not know, Trevor is the um, creator of many awesome um, sort of like analog looking works of monster art. Um, but I'd say, correct me if I'm wrong, most notably known for the creation Siren Head. You're, you're um, definitely correct, yeah. <laughs> which um, sounds a lot like the name um yeah you know it's big bony body um sirens for the head um yeah. looks awesome and it I, I believe the story of siren head essentially is that in 2018 you drew siren head just trying to match up lighting and just draw a cool monster yeah yeah, yeah exactly and, and then um people liked it and then like two years later a culmination of events happened and it blew up yeah, it really did. It happened, yeah, I, you know, I started doing the kind of drawing monsters into photos thing in 2018 as just kind of an exercise because I was working retail at a bookstore, and it was the latest retail job and a long string of retail jobs, and I would come home exhausted, and I didn't want to do, like, a whole big new painting each night, so I found it really easy to have it as an exercise just to be like, have a, have a photo ready to go, I had a big folder full of photos, and then just be like, Bam, what kind of weirdo goes in this one? And how well can I make it look like sure. it was in there when the photo was taken? Um, and yeah, I just drew him in 2018, like, amongst many other random characters, weirdos. Like, that's kind of cool. And then, like, you know, the response was good, so I drew him a couple more times off and on over months. And I just kind of moved on with other characters, because uh, I was, you know, kind of like... I, I like, uh, you know, doing different character designs that, uh, you know work well for me, but then also, like, being able to, like, subtly, like, draw lines between them without actually, like, fully doing it, like, in, like the implication that they're, like, all in part of one big universe. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until, uh, yeah, 2020, two years later or so, in April, right after my birthday, and, um, yeah, Markiplier, the, the <laughs> video game guy, uh, played a game that a friend of mine, uh, and who, uh, makes games under the name Modus Interactive. Uh, made like a really like short little demo of Siren Head, where you just walk and find a body, and then Siren Head chases you to your, to your car. He played that on on his you know YouTube channel, and was like basically like, 
what's the siren head guy? What's this deal? <laughs> He's cool. <laughs> um, and then at the same time that happened, an animator on TikTok made like this animation of like a giant, like Godzilla sized siren head, like stomping on a city. And those two things happened within a days of each other. And it made a weird viral thing that has, that went crazy. And he kind of has since become a weird children's YouTube icon in, in, <laughs> in, in all these ways I could never have predicted. Um, when I first made it. Yeah. That's crazy yeah. how that happens. It's it is unpredict- insane. It's unpredictable. Like I, if I never would have thought that would be the one that blows up as much as it does. Did, um, Cartoon Cat's the other one that I, I super never expected to be at all popular, and that one is wildly popular, especially with kids. Yeah, I, I it is it's crazy to me. I mean, I feel like I do. I it makes sense to me that you know a lot of your designs would would blow up. I mean, uh, not to you know kind of lay it on thick here, but it's very good stuff. Um, but you, it is crazy you. to me that that. It, it got so big, you know, in the, with kids and like in these like YouTube children's videos. And I, I have no idea why, as like, I guess Cartoon Cat is kind of a cartoon. So kids like cartoons. So yeah. maybe there's something there. But yeah, yeah I just, I, kids yeah. love creepy stuff. I mean, if Kidney, I were, kids just love creepy stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm 26 and I thought Siren Head was awesome. But if I were 11 and I yeah. saw a Siren Head, it would, it would blow my head off. Like I, would, <laughs> I, I'd be like, "What is this?" And then you know, you're also stupider. Um, you know, you're younger, you know? so like you, you think you, like, something could be real. You think something could be real, and the way that Siren yeah. Head is sort of yeah. portrayed online is that like maybe it's real. Um, very, very Slender Man effect, sort of. Yeah, which yeah. is, I, I actually, I have kind of a a follow up, I guess, question ish. Yeah. Um, also, before we close the chapter of how Siren had happened, I just wanted to shout out that the original clip that blew up in 2020 was by a TikTok user named Uncorked. Um, but they you. are, they are now banned. So you, I don't really know that that's not a great credit because should, they're, I, they're banned, but that's who they're, that's who did that one. I, I could be wrong and I feel bad not knowing this off the top of my head, but I'm almost 100% sure the animation itself was made by a guy named Alex Howard. Okay. So if you look that up, he does a ton of similar ones with like kind of like uh, liminal or like uh, spooky environments with, with like a big guys there, and he's he's yeah creepy and, and being cool. Um, I'm pretty sure that's who it was. Okay. Uh, cool. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um. Anyways, my 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 follow up question was is um, yeah. So my feeling through looking at your art and seeing the the pretty vague descriptions you give is that you use ambiguity as like an intentional stylistic choice in your horror and your art. And I was sort of curious if you could just speak to that a little bit and like what, what you think makes ambiguity such an important part of, of or important, like stylistic choice to your art. Nothing's ever gotten scarier. The more you know about it ever. I don't think ever. (laughs) If if there's examples of that, then it's like the example that proves the rule in my opinion. Um, If you can get away with just saying like just the right amount or just showing just the right amount, um, you are opening the door for uh, everyone who looks or engages with that art to fill in the gaps on their own and with their own perspective and their own idea of what's scary and their own imagination. And they just do the heavy lifting for you. Honestly, Uh, it's just a matter of like getting those teases to the right place. And that's exactly what I try and do with the, the image plus, um, you know, the, the word, ca- like the, the one little Twitter, uh, word count prompt 
where it's just like, can I use the limitations of it being like one image and then like three or four sentences or whatever, and then make those work to accomplish what you would get from like a 90 minute found footage horror movie. Um, but so you're just, just cutting to the meat of it, basically. Yeah, kind of, yeah, it's the money shot, like the one spooky thing that pops out in the found footage movie, um, and then enough, like, hopefully enough ambiguous prompts to kind of give it a, just enough context um, without showing too much or spoiling too much or, or any of that. Um, and, it, yeah, it, you know, it, it started as a exercise just to, to see if I could make something spooky or engaging. Um, working under those limitations. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. That that was a that was an awesome answer. Thank you. Um, okay, it was a great question. Thank you. I I actually had a question that is maybe immediately shot down by your answer, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Yeah. So I was going to see if you knew off the top of your head any any examples of literally the opposite of that done in a way that's interesting. Yes. Like yeah, absolutely, I do. Yeah, actually, that just occurred to me. Like as you were saying that. The opposite of that is actually my favorite, um, my favorite monsters in media in the last like decade or two decades. I don't know. For the last long memory is, uh, Channel Zero. Um, Channel Zero, every season of Channel Zero has a, has an, a a beautiful monster that they just show full on in, in broad daylight, uh, without, any ambiguity and it's terrifying because they're so surreal and they really embrace that. Um, I think the channel zero collectively has some of the best creature design work in anything for, for a very long time. The first season has the, the tooth, the tooth. boy, the, yeah. the child made of teeth, which is just, uh, and like also I, they completely explain who he is yeah. and he's still horrifying. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just so weird that it just works and it's still so scary despite being like fully on view. Definitely. Um, so that, that's the exact we're, exception that proves the rule, in my opinion. We're, we're, yeah, that's a good pit. We're both such Channel Zero heads. I feel I'm like, a a, super, especially yeah, too, like, yeah. like Butcher's season block three, too. Yeah. As, yeah. I feel like we, we, I never consi- thought about how much of the creepy shit in that season, especially, is just, it's like in a field yeah. under the sun and you that, see it. Yeah. That thing that, that, uh, the thing with the giant paper mache head, the yeah. super, yeah. oh, so scary. And it's like, just there it is. You know, Actually, like- I, that thing I think just was supposed to represent. I, it sounds ha- ham-fisted to people who haven't seen Channel Zero, but it. Yeah. I swear it was done well. Like, but I think it was a representation of like schizophrenia or yeah. like latent schizophrenia, and like they completely explain what it is, and it's that is like one of the scariest things I've seen recently. Yeah, the monster, that monster in particular, and it shows up in a couple different forms. Yeah. Um, Always with echoes of the main character. I think when it's the tall, super tall version of her with the big mascot head, it's even wearing like a shirt she has in a flashback from when her mom attacks her or something. Oh, um, wow. But they call that, that monster is officially credited as Father Time, which I always loved. As it's like the, the countdown <laughs> to her, um, succumbing to, to this hereditary illness, mental illness. Um, and I can't speak to how tactfully that particular season handle schizophrenia or mental illness, but I just love that creature design so much. That's my favorite in that season, I think. And yeah, there's a cu- definitely. There's a, there's a couple in that season alone that are really cool. There's like a butler made out of meat, and there's a... Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. The little cloaked children with the, like, meat yeah. tenderizers, too. There's mm-hmm. so much good stuff in that season, man. It's yeah. crazy. Just a full um, uh, nod to Don't Look Now. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but, like, it's all about, like, this horrible little 
uh, horrible figure in red, like a hooded redded figure, red figure running around in the background and being Is spooky. It, and are they little? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's just, okay. Uh, it's all about Donald Sutherland's character who, in the opening scene, his daughter dies, and she's wearing this red raincoat, this red rain slicker. She drowns in a pond in the opening scene. It's not a, very much a spoiler. Uh, and <laughs> she, they go to um, Venice, and uh, they, he starts becoming obsessed that he's seeing her, like, running off. Because he keeps seeing this, this hooded, this figure in this red raincoat, exactly like how his daughter died. And uh, it culminates in the final scene, which I won't spoil, but it's it's... Not what he thinks. <laughs> That's <laughs> that a great movie. Great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, going off of, I mean, you you mentioned Channel Zero, some of your favorite uh, recent creature design. Um, what are yeah. some of your favorite, just in general, uh, monsters and monster designs? Like, I, I won't ask you to pick a, a favorite or even a specific top five, but like, what are you what are you rocking with right now? What what are the the big ones? Uh, without spoiling too much, the most recent one is Nope. I don't want to say oh, any, yeah. any more about that, but that one has some incredible stuff in it. Um, and then the last really big one, and I believe it was designed by an artist I've always loved, a concept artist named Craig Thompson, I think his name is. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Excuse me. Is the creature in uh, The Ritual um, that was on yeah, Netflix. Yeah. yeah, which is another one where they like they do show you it, but it's in such a way that you just see enough, and that's all you need. Uh, but for like all timers, um, I think that you're you're going to get the same choices from most people, which are like the xenomorph is unbeatable. Like uh, specifically from the first movie, uh, the thing. Um, there's a monster in this uh, indie horror film from the '80s that I've always loved called the the Deadly Spawn. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh one. my god, Deadly Spawn kicks ass. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like it's made by a bunch of twenty somethings or teenagers in like Ohio or something. And they just obviously put all their money into this giant, like seven foot tall prop that they can move around and make its jaws go. And it's just a giant, like flayed penis with teeth, and it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, Deadly Spawn is great. I'm such a sucker for anything that uses miniatures, and they have one insane miniature shot right at the end of that movie. That's like it's nuts. classic. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it too, there's an unofficial sequel to the Deadly Spawn called Metamorphosis: The Alien Factor, and it's um, uh, it's awesome, and it's got tons of monsters in it as well. Um, and it's like I always pitch it as uh, the best Resident Evil movie that has nothing to do with Resident Evil at all. It just has those <laughs> sure. exact exact vibes. Yeah. Cool. I'm I'm happy that you mentioned the. The the Yotun from the ritual. I, that's my that's my Twitter profile picture, and has oh, yeah. been for a really long time. Just because I love oh, that yeah, monster right. design. It's I, so good. Yeah, yeah, and they do feed. I honestly, I wish that the I guess spoilers technically, but so yeah, it's been out since 2014. Yeah, it don't matter. matter. Well, I wish that <laughs> there wasn't even the the cult the cult stuff that gave more background on it. Yeah, um, but like because I think that would have fallen into the ambiguity. Goldilocks zone essentially is if it was just you kind of see it in the dark the way that you yeah. see it in the movie but it's not like that's the bastard son of Loki and we're a I cult know. who worships him like it was cooler <laughs> when it was just people being terrorized in the woods by a psychic mammoth thing exactly um, but yeah I love that design um, ha- have you have you read the book by Adam I have, I have read the book okay um, so yeah, you okay. probably know, <laughs> you, you Cameron probably know what what bullet was dodged in in adapting that? Because the the whole third act of the book is very different from the third act of um, 
the yeah. movie, and uh, it's really bad. Uh, it's yeah. good, but like the choices they make are awful. So in the movie, it's it's a cult, you know, kind of explaining like this is the son of Jotun, the you know blah blah blah. In the book, it's a like a Norwegian metal band that shows up in like full mm. like corpse paint, and like they do that whole explaining thing. Uh, that it it, it doesn't yeah it's that's, very it's very not good that would have yeah. not translated yeah. visually at all <laughs> no it's just like uh yeah literal like full-on corpse painted long-haired metal band shows up in the woods and starts like holding them captive and yeah and they literally just the whole time be like have you heard of our band do you want to hear our music and <laughs> yeah. like playing them their music and stuff it's pretty yeah, yeah. it's something uh um, yeah i i'm yeah. not a huge fan of the of the actual narrative of the movie the ritual but then i read the book after watching the movie and i was like okay they yeah they they they've they've had to change it i I gotcha all my favorite stuff in the movie is the creature design which is it's very different in the book i think it's literally just like much more of a deer human amalgam like straight up like it's kind of like a a deer monster with human features um whereas this one is way weirder i still don't know what its face looks like because it's just like these pinprick eyes yeah yeah. In a hole, in a hole, in a, in a torso, um, and I love the stuff they pull in that movie with the um, the elements of the convenience store coming into the yeah, forest. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. So I, I mean, cool. I'm, I'm also just a huge sucker for using human body parts to make other things, other parts yeah. of a monster. Yeah, you know what I mean. The, like the torso, the torso with the, yeah. the arms as the antlers yeah. is just incredible. Awesome. One, yeah, one of my favorite ones of those I saw recently is the boss, the Rotten from Dark Souls Two. I don't know if you, if you ever, mm-hmm. but he's, yeah. he's got his hands are like are like uh, human body, like it's like it's like arms and legs as fingers with like I think the head is the thumb maybe if oh, I remember correctly. Cool. But it is so nasty looking. That reminds um, me of um, the monster in uh, the host, the Bong Joon Ho film um, has like. As that movie goes on, you start seeing more details about it. Each of its fingers is like a little arm with like webbed hands on the end of it. So, uh, oh my god, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I guess to segue back into into general stuff, um, yeah. you like I yeah, I feel like what give what makes a lot of monsters particularly haunting is uh, you know human features, um, yeah. and I think it was, there's a lot of that stuff in in, in your work. Uh, specifically there's a lot of stuff you know with um humanoid figures that may, that have a head that is yeah. that shouldn't be or you know some kind of element that shouldn't be and i feel like a lot of them kind of fall into this 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 horror trope of the of the tall skinny the tall skinny scary man and yeah. <laughs> i think the tall skinny scary man is very scary and i was wondering if you had any insight into why you think that it is so scary for a guy to be tall and skinny <laughs> well, uh, firstly, right off the bat, uh, I'm uh, actively trying to move away from tall, skinny guy because I feel like uh, most of my guy—well, not all of them, but a lot—a lot of them fall into tall, skinny guy in the woods, and I want to like diversify a little bit, and mm-hmm. without going in the opposite direction and being like really weirdly fat phobic or something. So it's just about like <laughs> I hate when they do that too. So I gotta do like I gotta like play with shapes in a more interesting, surreal way. But I think I also agree that yeah, tall, skinny dudes are just inherently scary. It's like, what's scarier than, like, what if there was a guy there, you know? <laughs> like, what's a big... <laughs> and what's the most guy a thing can be than be a tall, skinny guy? Exactly, you know? exactly. Um, I think that it's just, like, uh, it ties up, like, revulsion into um, horror because you have that, like, subconscious uh, fear of, like, pestilence, and famine, and, like, all these elements that, you know, you, you automatically know that that's something that's unwell, 
And also, uh-huh. I think that um, monster design can work really well moving into, like, haunting or scary away from cool. Um, if it is something that you instinctually almost feel like pathos for, like something that's like sick or dying looking, you feel there's, like, an element of you being sad for it. Um, whereas, you know, you get the opposite direction. And you have, like, I've never been scared by a monster that has, like, a six-pack or it's, like, beefy. That never yeah. works. Never works for me. It can be cool, but it's never, like effectively scary or haunting so, so like the suckling kind of like there's like an yeah. element of of like oh uh, yeah like yeah exactly <laughs> okay um, cool that's a good point yeah it's like moving away from anything that could come off as like on the surface is like predatory like something with that's really must uh muscled or you know very like uh, canine fangs like that kind of stuff it can be like intimidating because you're afraid for your life like you would be if you were trapped in a room with like a tiger but mm-hmm. It also takes away a lot of that uh, mystery and, like, you know, some of that pathos where something looks inherently, like, sick or its expression is unreadable or it doesn't have any readily apparent way of what it's – a way of showing what it's going to do to you. It opens up – um, stuff in a really ambiguous way, if that that makes sense. Yeah, you want something to look dangerous, but you can't – figure out why it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, I actively despise and try and move away from, like, you want to never have, like, the angry brows. No, I, I, I avoid anything like horns or sharp teeth or wings or spikes or anything like that. Um, you know, just try and make it as weird without any indication of it being uh, something that ostensibly can kill you, I guess. I don't know. Definitely. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like it's also, I wonder too, like, I feel like, you know, in the entire history of humanity where we've been drawing monsters, you know, like painting tigers on the wall or drawing, painting dragons um, or whatever, it's, I feel like, you know, we've kind of done most of the, most of the lizard or big bear monsters. I feel like, I feel like we've kind of been doing that for uh, thousands and thousands of years at this point. And I wonder if that's part of the reason that, um, that that stuff, you know, doesn't doesn't ring so scary because we just yeah. have we've evolved, I guess, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, you take like a bear and you then you put like I don't know a a, pe- a piece of porcelain for a face or like something that has like one human element into it, and suddenly like something that was very it had rules that you already know about because it's a bear, it's dangerous in these particular ways, it becomes something that's unknowable in a much more like uh, interesting way, you know. I don't know, Definitely. something like that. Yeah, your brain has to work to make it to make it scary. You you look at a bear and your your brain knows everything about it already. Versus you look yeah. at a bear with human eyes and you go, oh, this thing is this is different in some scary way. And like even I, I once saw someone talking about like you know even like eighties horror icons that have caught on are, are are super popular. Like if you look at like Freddy Krueger, he's made up of elements that don't go together in any way, shape, or form. So like you know you have the glove. Then you have a, a Christmas sweater, and then you have the fedora, and then you have, like, the damaged face. So, like, none of these fully track together. So, like, even if you don't really realize it, you're, you're trying to, like, you're trying to figure out what his deal is, and that makes it, like, him more of an enigma, I guess. Totally. That that makes a lot of sense to me. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I have another question on design, <clears throat> and feel yeah. free to pass on this one because it's a it's a throwing shade question okay um, so, but uh do you are there any monster designs that you that strike you as incredibly overrated 
There's nothing, I think, off the top of my head, there's nothing that's overrated. I think that if it, if it, uh, you know, gains popularity, I think there's something that's resonating with people. And I wouldn't throw shade in that way, for sure. I feel like cool. there's designs that have, like, worn out their welcome a little bit. Like, the first thing that pops to mind is um, when Cloverfield came out, the first one, there's the, you know, that, that monster in that movie is really cool. It's very distinctive. It has kind of like this reverse, like, bat wing, but without wings, arms kind of thing. Um, and a very, like, alien kind of thought. It, it just works really well for that movie. But if you watch, like, the movies that came out, like, five, ten years after that, every single one had that same fucking monster. It popped up all... It's the, That's the same monster in, um... Uh... The God, the one with John Krasinski, where you can't make any noise. Oh, a uh, quiet place. A quiet place. It's the same monster. Yeah, it's all over the place, and I just want them to retire that one exact monster because it's in a lot of stuff. It's sure. in like one of the Star Trek movies. It's it the newer ones. It's like all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I feel like my pet peeve for that stuff, um, which maybe you can relate. I fucking hate the uh, the. They just give everything like a velociraptor chitter. Now they do the they all do the exact same noise. <sighs> yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of that, um, and there's so many weird vocalizations that you could play with uh, in all these different ways. Um, definitely. Yeah, going back to to nope, the creature in that does a really cool kind of like popping noise, like an atmospheric kind of popping noise over and over again. I thought that was super cool. Yeah, there, I agree though that the the, the raptors have been. Like, that chittering thing has been a go-to for a really long time. Yeah. I, I think the funny the funniest one to me is in that movie, in the movie Anaconda. Um, <laughs> there's a scene where the Anaconda, like, lunges at someone and it goes like... And it's like, there's a noise that snakes make. <laughs> That's, like, the main thing about them is the noise that they make. They, they have to make up a noise for it to do. <laughs> that kind of rocks, though. I kind of love that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's super good. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm gonna ask you basically an impossible question, so that's okay. my caveat. Right. But what? How would you define what a monster is? Oh boy, um, <laughs> what a monster is! That's interesting too, because there's a lot of things that I wouldn't even think of as a monster. Like I think creature is a different thing than a monster. Um, I don't know. I think that it is. That's difficult. Anything that provokes like a kind of uncanny reaction. I think that you can be afraid of, like, a big tiger or a bear or something like that, and it's not the same as a monster because your brain isn't having that reaction to being shown something that <laughs> shouldn't exist uh, and doesn't exist in nature. Um, which, yeah, so, like, I think Jaws, for instance, is, like, that's a creature and not a monster. And a monster is, like, I don't know. It's a difficult question to formulate thoughts on specifically. I guess it's just anything that provokes an uncanny reaction in the viewer in, a, in an ominous or threatening way, maybe. Something like that. That's a, uh, that's a, yeah, that yeah, is a very good answer. I, I mostly ask because we, as a monster podcast, do not have a definition, I, and eventually we should probably try to build one, so... Yeah. <laughs> ask, ask the pros. <laughs> see yeah. what they have to say. <laughs> there's different scales, for sure, because then there's like, you know, is a slasher a monster is or is that just the guy well like, I, I think it depends on the slasher too like it it they're it, it, you really start picking at hairs yeah. at a certain point like <clears throat> does a supernatural element added to a slasher make that guy now a monster 
is he just a monster? Like, is Michael Myers a monster? Or is he a, you know, there's a lot of gray zone. Yeah. There. Like, Freddy's a monster because he's like a, a, a supernatural dream demon y kind of thing. But mm. then, like, is the guy in the burning a monster? Or is that just a guy? Like, where, when does that line happen and where does, where does it cross over, you know? And then the That's other side of it, yeah. like, you know, at what point does an animal get big enough or have enough extra elements added that it becomes a monster, you know? Yeah. That's basically the question that I, I ask myself before we record every episode. I, I, ask, I ask myself that question every, every morning. morning. <laughs> yeah, when you I wake up. up. <laughs> you're brushing your teeth in the mirror, yeah. What is a monster? Um, yeah. So... Taking that question we just asked you out of your head, um, and bringing it back to a more literal, like, yeah, you know, yeah. as far as design place, what do you think, and it might be a similar answer, what do you think makes a good monster? Okay, yeah. Um, in my opinion, um, what makes a good monster is a inherent simplicity in, uh, its design and focus in terms of what is trying to be accomplished by a particular design. Um, you don't want to have too many elements going on at once, going in all different directions. It becomes like a hat on a hat, and it takes away the effectiveness of all the elements. So you want to have, like, one or two elements that you're working with here, whether that means he's a big skinny guy in the woods or or what have you. Um, you don't want to add too much on top because then you cross the border into it just being cool. You know, and then you have like monsters that are, then you're in a fantasy setting and you have like a Balrog mm. or something, which is, that's a cool creature, not scary. Um, and not really a horror design. Uh, and then the other thing I always try and focus on is, uh, silhouette from the very start. You want to have a, you want to be able to look at your monster in just pitch black and know which, what monster it is. It has to stand out. If it's just, if you can't read what it is, in the dark and it just uh, pitch black silhouette. Um, you got to do something there. I think, um, all the best monsters, I think have a cool silhouette. That was, I, that was a really cool answer. I would have never thought about silhouette, but that makes yeah. a lot of sense. There's an instant recognizability to that. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, you know, even like you look at Freddy, you look at, those are just dudes, but like, there's still a silhouette going on there with the hat and the, the claws and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and as you get into creatures, like, I mean, the xenomorph, it's impossible yeah. not to see, know what that is in, 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 in pitch black. But I think that's just a general character design rule, um, over even any monsters. Like you want your characters to stand out in, in, in these specific ways without having to, to focus on detail even. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I guess also I, I would be curious what you thought, you know, it, even beyond, um, visually, what mm. kind of like, like for example, a monster in a in a book or something. Um, yeah. What you would be looking for there to make like a a good monster or a monster that you would want to read a book that the monster is in. Um, if specifically in a book circumstance, excuse me, I would say uh, you want to have just enough, um, not motivation, but like contextual information about you know what it is um, and. Just enough so it stands out without ruining the mystery. And again, leaving enough room that you're filling in gaps in your head as a reader. Um, and then also, you gotta have like some really uh, memorable kill scenes, I think. Especially in a book context. <laughs> it's gotta like do some weird, awful shit to some people. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. 
I just read a book called Daphne by Josh Mallerman, which is um, kind of an urban legend slasher book in the vein of like It Follows or Nightmare on Elm Street. It's really, really good. But the monster in that is like this, it's a, a female slasher named Daphne, who's just like this seven foot tall, um, greasy metalhead ghost with long hair in her face and a jean jacket. And if you think, if you you hear about her story about what happened to her, and you think about her too much, she just shows up to your house and just rips your fucking head in half. Her head, she just uses her hands to to rip you apart. <laughs> it, it rocks, yeah. And oh it's my like god, it, it's so good. And that's an amazing, like slasher villain monster there, right? Because it's literally just this gigantic woman who will show up to your house and just fucking tear you limb from limb. It's great. Um, and there's just enough information throughout the book about what her deal was when, when she was alive and what's going on in terms of this, like, curse or why she shows up. Um, and just the right amount of description. And all the kill scenes rule. Um, it's just her... <laughs> it, 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 what's the best killer uh, slasher weapon in, in, in uh, you know, in 2020, uh, 22 after all the slashers, all the slashers we had? Her bare fucking hands. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds yeah. sick. Yeah, I'm it's very good. check that out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that would be my answer, I guess. Sweet. Nice. Um, so here, uh, here's a, a question about fear, um, and yeah. our fear. Do you get scared from horror movies? A, lo- a lot of people, you know, who like horror a lot, watch a ton of it, and sometimes they get a little desensitized. Do you still feel scared sometimes when you watch horror? It's so rare. Um, I'm so desensitized at this point. Um, and a lot of the time, uh, the particular things I'm, I have like, uh, weird caveats about being scared about aren't stuff that is easy to portray in a horror movie, so it doesn't show up a lot. Like, I, I'm really scared about um, malevolent architecture, like uh, like House of Leaves, mm-hmm. where, like, you can be inside a structure that's actively changing around you and, and trying to disorient and, and kill you. Um, and that's really hard to portray in, in, in a movie, so it doesn't pop up a lot. Um, the last time I was probably genuinely scared by... Oh, you know what? Actually... I did just see a movie that came is coming out this year, and it fully does that thing with the architecture, and it scared the shit out of me. It's great. Uh, it's called Skinamarink. Um, it's not out any Skinamarink. Yeah, it's not out anywhere yet. I got I was lucky enough to get a chance to see it a little early, but man, when that one comes out, it's not going to be for everybody. But goddamn, is it scary? Um, <laughs> but it, but it's rare. It's really rare. Usually, usually I'm pretty desensitized. I watch horror like every day, so it doesn't really get me so much anymore uh yeah cool yeah i feel i i feel pretty much the same way i i don't get scared by a lot of stuff anymore but kai is a complete scaredy cat and i wish that i could go i wish i could go back to that i actively try to get into a headset like a a headspace before i watch i like being scared yeah yeah i'm watching a horror movie so i like i try to tap into i don't know my that, my inner naivety when I when watching a horror movie and try to convince myself that it's yeah, real. That's and great. <laughs> I, I admire that a lot and, and I wish that I could get there more often. Um what's what's the last movie that scared you? I'm really curious now. Honestly, the the empty man kind of freaked me out. The empty that, one's scary yeah. as fuck. Yeah, that's yeah. that that's a like just conceptually, there's a lot of going on there that's really scary. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. really, like, I wouldn't say like the whole plot freaked me out, but honestly, the, the opening scene when he falls into the crevice and, and meets the, the empty yeah. man or whatever yeah. you want to call that thing. Whatever the I, big skeleton was, yeah. Whatever the big skeleton was, I was watching that by myself 
Um, and I was just like, uh, and I, I loved it. I was, I was so scared. It was, the it was scene, a blast. The scene in that movie when he's like sneaking up on the cult and they're all walking around the fire and they all oh, stop yeah. and look at it. That is so, that scene was, is yeah. like, yeah. That I would be it. like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, I love it when I get scared enough where like, I like, my eyes water a little. Like, <laughs> I, I just like, I'm watching something that's so scary that I'm just like, oh my god, no. And like, I can just feel like a yeah. little bit of a sting. I'm just like, yeah. yes. You have to promise me when, when Skinnamarink comes out, cause I think it's coming out later this year, you gotta like, if you're watching on your computer, you gotta use headphones and just sit in like the pitch dark and it's like, uh, the most like languidly paced film, but it like, it almost like mesmerizes you, and it, by the end, it's so scary. Like it'll, it'll oh, I love it. It'll completely wreck you. But um, I th- yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. I think the ahead. last the last movie I saw that really scared me was um that movie Ganji M Haunted Asylum. I don't know if you saw that. I'm one. I'm so disappointed by that. Like everyone, really? everyone, you know, when that came out, everyone's like, "You gotta see this one." It's like the next like Norway the Curse. It's so fucking scary. It's so scary, and it just did nothing for me. I wanted I wanted it to scare me so badly. And it just, I sat there like stone faced and then it, it left my memory immediately. Damn. Uh, For me, it was the, it was, it was the scene in that giant room where it's like a huge room and it's like, that's for Kai, you haven't seen that, right? No, I saw it. It's like, um, it's all like GoPro found footage. Um, and so it's like a person is sitting. I think, sorry, I just want to make sure before you keep talking about it, if I have seen it, was that, was this the one that you sent me like, uh, like last winter? I don't, maybe. I'm okay, not sure. Sorry, never mind. I'm derailing things. Continue. <laughs> no worries. Um, it's where the person's in like a, in a, just a huge room and there's just some kind of like human figure that's, that's far away that you can't really see. And it's yeah. every time that they take a step one way, it like shuffles that way and they just keep yeah. going back and forth and they like walks behind a pillar so they can't see it like. I was um I was sitting on my couch like holding my hand in front of my <laughs> eyes watching that one scene. There's that something sounds about great. It. I gotta revisit it because enough people have told me like that they, it it scared the crap out of them that I have to I have to reevaluate excuse me reevaluate it. Um, give another shot. It's been like four years since I saw it, so I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it, I remember it being pretty boring until the end, and then being like, oh my god. Um, I, re- I remember there being something with like a guy getting bit after like a he puts his hand in a coffin and the something bit bites him in it or or something like that. And there's like a famous shot of that's like the GoPro like the super close up of the ghost face. That's yeah. pretty. That's pretty good. Um, Yo, yeah. 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 Exactly. Have you oh, seen yeah. um Have you seen a cult? Not yet. Uh, I've I've that's um that's Koji Shiriishi, right? Yeah, I like it a little bit more than than Norai even. Um, it's really really scary, and the soundtrack alone, the sa- soundtrack by itself is maybe the scariest horror movie soundtrack I've ever heard. It's just like this oppressively horrible, like clanging, like industrial grinding that is just just wears you down. It's awful. It's great. Damn. I gotta <laughs> finally check it out. Yeah, I've heard on, a lot about it. it. It's on YouTube in full. It's one of those movies that someone. Oh, in the world sick! Is, is I will watch that yeah. this week probably then. You should. You should. Um, so while we're on the subject of fear, uh, we, which has been a, a lot of this conversation, which is good <laughs> because it's yeah. a monster podcast. Um, but so we have a question from our monster mail, um, by uh, King Monkey. Uh, tr- one of Trevor, our listeners has a yeah, question of, for you. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, Trevor, what scared you the most as a little kid? 
And how has that made its way into your art? Uh, the thing that scared me the most as a little kid, because when I was a little kid, um, my dad, who was a, a still a horror super fan, um, would come home from uh, loading trucks at like 2 a.m. And he would wake me up on a school night every night, and uh, unbeknownst to my mother, and we'd watch like whatever 80s shit he happened to have, like Return of the Living Dead, Army of Darkness. I was like 9 or 10. The one thing out of all that that really got to me was, and I still think it's one of the scariest horror movies ever made, um, is the Canadian staple Black Christmas, 1978, I think. Um, but yeah. there's there's a moment in that movie that like haunted me forever where it's uh, in the climax of the film and the the one of the remaining characters goes up to check on a friend and the killer's in the door frame of the open door, and you just see his eye as he, like, mumbles, uh, like, trying to placate her before she runs. And it's the scariest goddamn thing in the world. It's just the guy's eyeball in this in this door crack. But, like, God. And that haunted me for a long time. And it is still very scary. That movie is untouchably frightening, I, th- I think. Yeah, that movie is fucking... So good. I've never director seen of, it. Uh, you, oh, director of Baby Geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and a Christmas Story, I think too. Yeah, and a Christmas Story. He did like yeah. the two Christmas movies you could po- ever possibly want: a Christmas Story yeah. and Black Christmas. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen Black Christmas, Kai, you gotta, you I, gotta. I will, Holy I'm shit! Gonna, I've been taking notes in this conversation. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've been- it's uh, basically it's it's I it's not what John Carpenter actually ripped off to make Halloween, but it might as well be. Funny funny thing is that they were um uh gonna do a sequel to Black Christmas, and the sequel to Black Christmas was gonna be called Halloween. Uh, but uh another Halloween came up first. So, <laughs> and you know, you, people do say that like Halloween's like the great not not the great grandfather or the grandfather because that's. Peeping Tom and Psycho of the slasher film, respectively. Um, but people are like, oh, the grand- the father of the slasher film is Halloween, and it's not. It's actually Black no, Christmas. Yeah. It's Black Christmas, yeah. It was four Black- years earlier, I think. It was? Yep. Yeah. And, it, uh, and honestly, like, I love Halloween, but Black Christmas kind of uh, does it everything better than Halloween. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, you know, the, if, if the only thing scarier than Michael Myers is, like, this unknowable white mask, this unknowable figure is just, like, completely removing that killer from the equation at all. So he's he's nowhere and he's everywhere. Black Christmas, yeah. you, you don't see him. The most you ever see of that killer in that movie, besides a voice on the phone, in the scariest phone calls you will ever hear in your life in a movie is that eyeball. Um, so he's just, like, this, this horrible... Uh, he's just the atmosphere in the movie. He's not actually a person. That's the only thing that can be scarier than than like the the shape or, or Michael Myers. I think. Definitely, um, yeah. yeah. I, per, I mean, Halloween is one of my my all time favorite movies. I feel like Black Christmas is definitely scarier. I feel like it to is. me, Halloween's yeah. a lot more like magical, and I'm like I can watch it a trillion times in a row. Oh yeah, but Black yeah. Christmas. Like I'm I'm huddled up watching that. Yeah, Black Christmas is like it's not a rewatchable film. It's very, very bleak. And it's just like this suffocating atmosphere, even with the humor throughout, which is like, it, it really works. Um, that is a dark, dark film, even more so than Halloween. Um, Halloween is definitely that much more like everything in Halloween is perfect. Like the, that atmosphere is, is so rewatchable and like everything works beautifully in that film. But black Christmas is just like, 
it's a mean it's a mean one. I yeah, think. it's nasty. <laughs> it's a nasty movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, surprisingly I'm progressive descriptions. Too. Yeah, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna need to watch that ASAP. Yeah, you should check it out. Uh, it's very very good. Yeah. What, speaking again about well, let's just let's keep it rolling on the fear questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you ever designed or drawn anything that has you have you ever scared yourself with something you've drawn? I feel like um, if I ever, I think maybe once or twice, and it was always like a one-off image. It was never a character that came back. Um, there's one image that I thought was like, whoa, this is pretty scary, legitimately. Um, and it's the one, I don't know if you'll know it off the top of your head, but it's like a photo uh, inside someone's bedroom, and the door frame is open, and there's like this thing just coming into the bedroom that's this giant, like, giant-headed pink thing. Uh, with no arms, just like legs. And I thought the expression I, I put on that was uh, alarming. Uh, <laughs> I can put it in the in the thread afterwards, but... Um, I think, would... I feel like I vaguely remember seeing I it. think I've, I've, yeah. I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen, like, almost everything you've put out. So I'm sure I've seen that at some point. But, yeah, yeah that, I mean, di- um, on a different, well, it's a similar note. Um, yeah. We have another fear question. Um, have you ever been like, when was uh, Cameron, what was the question? The, 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 the scared question. Oh, what's, what is the scariest thing that you've ever seen in, in real life? Oh shit. Um, I haven't really seen, honestly, I haven't really, (laughs) I haven't really seen anything. I just, I'm just like a guy who worked retail for a very, very, very long time. And then now works from home and doesn't really go outside very much. So I haven't really seen a lot of, you know, I guess, thankfully, anything really super scary. Um, yeah, that's so, that, that answer sucks. I don't have anything for that. <laughs> that's fair go. enough. Yeah. yeah I don't, I don't think I have a good, a good answer to that either. I just feel like that sometimes you ask somebody a, a question, that question, and yeah. you hear the most insane thing you've ever heard in your life. So <laughs> you, you just always have to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wish I had like a ghost story or, or something to tell, but um, I don't. I don't have any any oh. no, no brushes with the supernatural. Nothing. Yeah, the Trevor's uh, piece that he was just talking about loaded in our chat. It is it is uh, haunting. <laughs> yeah, it's a little <laughs> a little alarming. I gotta draw that guy again. He's cool. Yeah, yeah. I've only done uh, it once. I feel like a lot of your your designs look like it's very easy f- for the brain to fill in the gap of the types of horrible noises it might make. Yeah, yeah. I think I, actually, I think the prompt that I wrote for that guy specifically says he sounds like static, which is uh, I thought an interesting detail. Hell yeah, <laughs> that is. Um, I, I looked at him and imagined baby cooing, which oh, yeah. uh, which would be like also horrible. Both? You know, yeah. yeah. Why why not both? But um. So let's see. Um, oh, I have a question about your process. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. So when when you're designing something, do you have like kind of a solid idea of of a design before you get um, you know uh, stylist to to tablet or pen to paper or whatever your process is, or do you just kind of go and see kind of what falls out? Literally, just I just I do. Uh, well, you know, like when I'm doing um, more like formally painted like digital drawings there's uh, maybe a little bit more especially if it's like commission work or i'm doing a job for someone there'll be um some sketch process stuff uh not as much as i should or most people do usually i'll do like a sketch and the sketch is actually like 
a color color rough, and then I just paint on top of that for the final. But for the the photo stuff, where I'm just painting right into the photos, it's literally just on top of the photo um, with no no layers really at all. I just kind of paint it on top, wow. and then just flatten it as I go um, because. I don't know. That's just how it works. Uh, in the beginning, I was just like, that was part of the process where like, you know, I'll just, I have this folder of photos and I'll pick one that stands out to me this time and then I'll stare at it and then like, I'll decide what's in that space where I want to put something on the spot and then, you know, I'll try and get it in there to the best of my abilities in terms of like texture and lighting and contrast and tone and all that stuff. Whether it's like um, changing the... <clears throat> Um, colors in the photo itself to match the character after I've done it or vice versa or both and then when that's done without actually putting any, any thought into it while I was making it then I make up the, the story at the very end from sure. the, from the completed photo and be like you know write the write the spooky prompt as it were at the very very end so um, yeah uh, that, that's interesting that you work reverse in the with the prompt uh, another yeah. so like like when you're like when you have the photo in front of you that you're drawing on, though, do you kind of go like, oh, a thing that looks like this would look weird here? Like, do you kind of have an idea already of even generally what you want the design to be? Or do you kind of just, like, go I at just it? just go. I kind of just go and, you know, um, most of the time, especially if I'm in the, in the flow of it, like, back in 2018, 2019, I was doing, like, three a night sometimes. And then, you know, um, you know. A, a whole ton of them, so it was a lot easier. Like they were, they were free flowing. Um, now it's a little harder because again, I've done, I've done probably like f- four to five hundred of them at this point. Um, yeah, there's a lot of them. Uh, a lot of the early ones I hate because you can tell they're very like the technique isn't there yet. Um, but yeah, nowadays it's there's a lot of uh, erasing and you know f- making making shapes and then flipping it and then like just trying to make something from the shape that I've already put down. But there isn't a lot of, like, I'm going to do, like, a guy with a weird head in this particular way. Sure. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. just, like, it's just putting digital paint down and then seeing what kind of comes out of it. Um, and then cool. kind of, like, trying to make it fit. Yeah. That's, That's awesome super process. cool. Yeah. So, process-wise, too, I, I feel like what always stands out to me a ton about about your your work and your illustrations are, are is, is texture. I feel like you always have just such great disgusting like um creepy texture going on and i was oh, just wondering you. like you know how you like how what what's your process do, are you looking at, at pictures of gross stuff and and replicating this or do you have in your head what a gross texture should look like or i'm just i'm so fascinated by it, it feels I, like there's so many distinct and weird textures going on in your work i i mean i think that as as it as a character will develop, like, certain things will be like, this is cloth, this is porcelain, this is, like, horrible flesh, or what have you. Um, You know, I'll just work on that, and, you know, on occasion I'll use reference just to, you know, like, when when something is is matted hair, you want to figure out what that looks like, especially then trying to make it look like it's an old faded photograph or whatever. Um, But most of the time I just draw it, and then I just try and, like, fuzz it, fudge it until it looks right, and then obscure it until that looks even better, I guess. Um, honestly, obscuring stuff is very helpful. Uh, mm-hmm. And thankfully, is very conducive to this medium of it being like, it's a found footage, like blurred photo kind of thing taken as someone is getting got, gotten by something. <laughs> uh, so, like, there's a lot of yeah. inherent uh, uh, room to play around with it to make it 
feel better than if it was just like the flat drawing on a photo. Um, For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, speaking of found footage too, I think it's it's very interesting to me. Um, I feel like found footage. I mean, had had you know its huge boom. Uh, yeah. when there was a million found footage things coming out. And I feel like it pretty, unfortunately, I think it's safe to say it's pretty much fallen out of favor with the general public. I think a lot of people here like found footage and go, oh, found footage. But it yeah. seems like in, it very recently, uh, it's had this huge resurgence, um, you know, not in the mainstream necessarily, but just kind of, you know, online and on YouTube. And there's, yeah. so I feel like there are a bunch of younger people who are discovering found, found footage and, and, you know, bringing it to a back into the into the spotlight and i'm just curious if if you if you you know have any opinions on why of this that is happening right now well i think that um i do agree that it it kind of uh, wore out its welcome back in the early 2000s i think that was you know paranormal activity was a big proponent for kind of because that was a huge huge success but i feel like that kind of success it's what happened with I think it's what happens all the time when something gets really popular out of nowhere that was a maybe a bit of a gamble or something they didn't know was going to make a lot of money. It happened with Halloween. You know, mm-hmm. Halloween was a low-budget movie that they didn't expect to do so well, and it it completely uh, made more money than God eventually. It just completely decimated uh, the whole landscape. And then, you know, of course, what happens is you see, you know, you first you get Friday the 13th trying to be Halloween, and then you get a million, million, million movies trying to be Friday the 13th, and that's like all the early 80s. I kind of think a little bit of a similar thing happened in the early 2000s or whenever it was, mid-2005, something around that, when Paranormal Activity came out. It was a huge success in a very similar way, where you had a, suddenly tons and tons of people realizing you could do this um, type of horror film, fairly low cost, and you had a big chance, as demonstrated by Paranormal Activity, of it making a huge amount of money. Um so people just got, you know, overexposure, just got worn out to it. Um, but now what I feel like is happening is that there's two concurrent um, things happening, which is one is that there's a lot of people who are saying, hey, remember found footage? That was actually really fun and good. And we can make that again on a low budget. So you're getting like the VHS series. You're getting, um, you know, Deadstream, which comes out next month and rules you should watch. Uh, stuff that is kind of a little bit more knowing moving towards the horror comedy um, side of things with found footage and also like our genuine love for, you know, the classics, like, you know, Ghost Watch and Nora and all that stuff, like Mungo. Um, and then also just, uh, you know, straight up scary found footage horror movies are coming back, which is amazing. Um, there's one that came out. Uh, God, it's completely slipping my mind. I saw one really recently that is... Uh, set fully in like this desert, like uh, God, it's it's gonna kill me. Anyway, it's really good and it's really scary, but it's like much more experimental than those movies were. Um, so I feel like that's ha- that's part of why it's coming back into popularity is that they're doing weird new stuff for it and also have a genuine love for what happened with the, the kind of found footage movies that were in the past. And then the other other side of it, the other um, kind of twin stream, is um, kids doing analog horror stuff, which is. Uh, inspired by found footage stuff, but also, you know, it's channel or uh, local 58. It's, uh, you know, it, it's incorporating a lot of like that. Um, yeah. Five nights at Freddy's kind of thing, but in, mm-hmm. it's kind of combining that with found footage and becoming its own separate thing, you know? Um, yeah. Sorry if that's rambling, if that makes sense to you. Uh, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. But I, lo- I love found footage dearly. I've always loved it. I think that, 
you know, like anything else, it has a, it can have a high margin of, of, you know, low, low quality ones, but even the low quality ones, I just love the, it's like a warm blanket. It's like a, just it's a, fun. it's just fun. And like, you can do stuff with it that you can't do with any other kind of, of movie or even horror film. Um, it's got one less layer between the audience and the things happening in the film, because even if you don't buy it, you know, the, uh, the idea that it's just like a found footage, this you it's just you watching something that actually happened. It's easier to divorce yourself from like, you know, all the, all the things that are part of a regular movie, like editing wise and camera angles and, and soundtrack and stuff like that, that keep yeah. you, keep you knowing that it's, it's just a horror movie, you know, um, sure, you, definitely. You, can't, you can't do that with anything else. This is not exactly a monster <clears throat> horror movie. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. it really straight up isn't. But um, what what do you think of Creep and Creep Two? Oh, I love Creep and Creep Two. They're both great. Cool. Yeah, um, Sweet. they're they're great. They're part of like this whole. I love horror movies now that are these ho- specific horror movies that are in this kind of like subgenre, which is all based around um, uh, polite social niceties, like mm, yeah, being afraid of conflict and being afraid to put your foot down and respect your own boundaries. And how it just completely, like, people get completely fucked over by it. Like, um, The Invitation. It's not a found footage movie, but it, you know, it's like this awful dinner party. There's a new movie that came out called Speak No Evil that is, like, the ultimate in that, um, in terms of just, like, these, this escalating series of things that maybe is, is, uh, you know, the bad guys fucking with the, the good guys, or maybe it's just them, like, uh, you know, being, being a little weird, being a little weird, and just like pushing it and pushing it, how much you'll accept and how much you'll accept. And I think that creep and creep, maybe less less so creep two because it goes in a completely different direction. The creep one is amazing for that, and creep two is a great horror sequel that just realizes you can't just do the first one again, and it does yeah. a completely different thing. And I think I like it even better than the first one. Um, I can't wait. I like both of those movies a lot. I just, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, were, we were on the train about you know found footage, and I was like, I want yeah. to know what Trevor thinks about these. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were, I thought they were great, and I think there's a third one eventually coming, so I'm, I'm excited for that. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. let's see. Yeah do you do you do you have any more um it, any listener it, questions or, or um well I have another not listener. It's a me <laughs> question. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> so th- this is a. Uh, I'm going to struggle to frame this a little bit, I think, but Siren Head more so, Cartoon Cat also pretty substantially, yeah. but I, for the purpose of this question, let's just say Siren Head really yeah. has sort of taken on a life of their own. Like they, yeah. they have, um, I, I don't know exactly what you'd call it, but you know, they've become a part of modern folklore essentially. Um, yeah. and it's, you know, Trevor Henderson, the guy made, made Siren Head, but at, th- at some point, like so many people know Siren Head, oh, and it's out of my hands, yeah. and and don't necessarily know Trevor Henderson, yeah, yeah. And I don't have a super pointed direction with this question, other than that must be weird. Um, yeah. do, what are what what are like the uh, what's that experience like? I mean, I'm sure there's the negatives of not being credited, but like, um, yeah. Do you think it's cool to like? Oh, yeah. t- tell me about that a little bit. It, well, firstly, you're right. It's super weird. I never, ever would have... It would, I mean, I think that a lot of really cool stuff comes from just doing your own thing and not really expecting anything to come from it. Um, and that was what doing those photos was like. Uh, or doing the, the monster photo stuff is like. Um, but yeah, I never would have thought that a character would catch on in that way and kind of blow up. Um, 
And it's just the, you know, the response has been incredibly weird. Um, but also really like, you know, it feels great. It feels great that a character I made up has, I mean, has, has caught on in this specific way. Um, and you know, the inverse of that is, you know, how, <laughs> you know, how something can be taken out of your hands and then you, for better or worse, sometimes better, sometimes worse. It's just like, you don't really have a lot of say in it anymore. Like, um, you know, Siren had, I never really made up a, a full on origin story for, because again, going back to what we said earlier, I don't think that would make him scarier. I think that would make him less scary and, and lamer. Uh, sure. but you know, when something catches on and people really resonate with it, um, it's, they want to know everything about it. They want to know, uh, they want to take in everything they can. And if you're not going to provide that information, then they will find someone who will. And, you know, that happened with Siren Head in some ways. Like, there's a whole, there's a, a Trevor Henderson wiki uh, that I have zero part in at all. That's like the <laughs> the origins and the lore and the abilities of every creature I've ever <laughs> drawn, and it's fully it's it's fully made by people who I've never spoken to, and and none of it is 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 true. But people like the characters; they want to know information. I totally I totally get that. Um, but it is extremely weird. All the kids stuff is super weird. Um, I love that kids like my monsters and, 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 uh, I think that if I died tomorrow, the legacy of whatever cool shit those kids are going to make inspired by the stuff I did like 10 years from now is all I could ever ask for. Like they're going to do, I hope that it is weird, made them weird enough that whatever they make in 10, 15 years it would blow our fucking heads off our shoulders. Um, the, the horror movies, totally. I, like, I hope that that's made an impact in that way. Um, but then, you know, the flip side of that is then, you, like, have you ever searched Siren Head on YouTube? Have you ever seen the stuff that's out there? I've it seen, is, like, battles and stuff. Like, yeah, there's, like, it, it finger full, family stuff. Yeah, it fully got eaten yeah. by that super scary, uh, like, algorithm making kid shows. Yeah. Like, in, so now, like, it's kind of like the ending of The Shining, where suddenly Jack Torrance is in the photo at the end, like he's always been there. It feels like <laughs> suddenly Siren is in these videos with fighting like the Hulk and Spider Man and yeah. like, fin Finger Family. <laughs> he's always been in the Finger Family. Yeah, yeah. he's been absorbed. Um, that sounds like a Channel Zero episode. Basically, <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the horror movie or show or something that's about the the al algorithmically um, made. Oh yeah. Because those legitimately scare the shit out of me. They're so Man, weird. Before those really blew up, before people knew about those, I remember stumbling on on those in like um I probably like 2015 or, or 2014 or something. Like finding a yeah. few of those channels back when before it was like a whole thing. Yeah. And they were just chugging out. And I found that we, me and my friend, found this one that is since just completely gone. Thank God. But <laughs> it was like it would have all this kid stuff, and they would have this character who was like a. A CGI guy with these black and red like line like stripes across part of his face, and he would just like he would just like pop up in the middle of the video and be like, "Are you scared of your parents?" and just say all these like terrifying things, and then it would just go back to like Spider Man finger family stuff. And now Jesus. it's completely we can't find it anymore. But God Almighty, yeah, those that stuff. I feel like me. that's been baked into that since the very beginning. Like that stuff is it so has. evil. It, yeah, that's the word for it. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I, I think is weird or freaky on the internet or whatever, but I feel like just in my core, those videos radiate actual evil. Like, they yeah. feel 
they're putting malevolence out into the world. Like, they feel awful. They feel... 100%. Rancid. Um, and they feel also, like, 100% like they're just, like, a legion of, of really horrible people somewhere that are... are those are actually for w- w- getting horrible input from them in some way I can never perceive. It fully... Yeah. It, it's awful. I hate it in every way. I hate them. They're scary. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no good. Yeah, well, I, you know... I would love to keep racking your brain, but we are, we're coming in at about an hour now and I, I don't yeah. want to take up your entire night here. So Cameron, do you have any other like, uh, yeah, I do. I have, I have one final question here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did before this episode, I did actually, I stumbled upon the, the Trevor Henderson wiki. Um, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have a question to ask you about something I've seen on there. According, uh, to user Xander Dyer 34 on the Trevor Henderson wiki page, um, you died in 2018. You have anything to say about that? Wow, that's really scary. <laughs> um, no, uh, I yeah, you know what? That's fine. If those guys think I'm, <laughs> if they think I'm dead, that's a less well, chance of them coming to my house and trying to make me that way. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah, direct, the direct quote is: "The Turvor can be good guy and died in 2018." Well. You know, who, who amongst us hasn't <laughs> said something like that uh, at any given moment? That's a good point. Who knows? Yeah. I, 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 you know, Torvor. That's a, it's a That's a cool way to read that. <laughs> I guess that's not about you. It's about Torvor. That's so. like, yeah, that was my doppelganger. I had to asphyxiate him with a pillow in 2019. <laughs> oh, yeah, cool. That when explains he, it. Yeah, when he appeared in my bedroom. So everything's good now. <laughs> yeah. Well, um... Thank you. Oh yeah. Finally, do you have anything that you want to plug? Be it your own work, your friends' work, um, anything that you just want people to see. What, what what's up on that front? Um, I I never remember this shit when when I'm prompted at all. Um, the best thing to do would be just to use to follow me on Twitter at Slimy Swamp Ghost because that is where I promote all my friends and artists I admire and um, talk about movies and stuff like that and. Uh, that is the best venue for, for, for anybody I would plug. Um, I have a lot of stuff coming at, like, being in the works, but I can't really talk about it. Oh, the one thing I can talk about is that there is a podcast, um, based on my creatures coming out on October 10th. Oh, uh, sweet. Ca- called the Mayfair Watchers Society. And, um, I'm the, I'm, I'm kind of like the creative consultant for the show as it is right now, where like, they have an amazing team of writers that has done a whole bunch of... It's like a soft anthology where it's set in the same town. But each 30-minute episode is about one of my creatures or photos. Um, and they've kind of like used it as a jumping-off point. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be writing some episodes later um, in October. So that'll, that'll be there eventually. But, but th- it's, it's some of the best horror podcast stuff I've ever, I've ever heard. It's so oh. well-written. It's so good. There's um, three episodes that are launching on the 10th and then... They have like twenty already written that they're just slowly recording, um, and I'm doing all the art for it. I'm doing new art of um, previously drawn monsters um, in in new photos that that I took or they took, so it's not like um, infringing on anybody else's photos. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's really cool. That's gonna be great. Um, I have a bunch of other stuff in the works I can't really talk about yet. But yeah, follow me on Twitter at Slimy Swamp Ghost. I talk about movies constantly. I'm on there way too much. Um, and then uh, if you want to just see like my art alone, I keep my Instagram very, very pure. And 
that's just just the art. That's Trevor Henderson, all one word. Instagram. Great, awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been an absolute yeah. pleasure. Yeah, this yeah, was so you. fun. This is like one of my favorite podcasts I've been on. This was this is great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Nice <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Really good questions, and, and you guys are both great. Um, well, there is there's one one final thing that we do on this podcast. If you it will indulge us for maybe a a minute more. Yeah. Um, when to decide the next monster every episode, we spin something called the Wheel of Monster. That is just a wheel with a lot of monsters on it. I love um, it. So I think we are just going to spin it right now. Once yeah. I do this. Let me pull up. Uh, you, and you can you can watch us spin it real time. I'm, yeah, oh. streaming it to Discord. So this is. You're, you're seeing history in the making here, what the next monster will be. In the I love next this. Monster this is such a good episode. idea. <laughs> it's very fun. Um, it hasn't fucked us over yet. I'm sure at some <laughs> point it will. But, uh, yeah, let's see. I'm just going to spin it right now. Spin and let's the see, wheel. Let's see what happens. <laughs> oh, damn. We got oh, the crawlers from the descent. Interesting. Nice. Okay, cool. That's a good All one. Right. <clears throat> Great. Well, I'm, uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. Are they kind of uh, just like Morlocks? Kind of. They're, ba- they're, they're chuds, basically. Yeah. Okay. Cool. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. I I have been waiting for it, the wheel to land on them. Honestly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that I think that about wraps it up. We'll see. Yeah. All you listeners next week for the uh, crawlers and thank you again, Trevor, so much. Yeah, for, of course. For coming yeah. on. Yeah. Um, have a good, have a good one. Yeah. Peace Bye. out. Bye.